Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. So thankful for all of you who are here physically in the building and thankful for all of you who have joined in virtually. Let me say, first of all, that I am, I am very humbled by the, the choice that you have made to allow me to minister to you and that I am very, very excited about the opportunity. I will do everything I can to present the message from God's Word as, as clearly and as fully as I, I can. I ask your patience with me as I am likely to hopefully grow into the role, but I appreciate the, the opportunity. There's a distinct disadvantage that we have in our present circumstances as the new minister here at Lindsley Avenue, which is that I don't know most of you because most of you have not been here in the auditorium in the last six months that I have been doing some fill-in work. So I have a request. If you are identify as a Lindsley Avenue member and you're watching online, you almost certainly probably have a Facebook account. Find me on Facebook. Please send me a friend request. I can't do that to you because I don't know yet who all of you are. So find me, Gene Wright, on Facebook. Please send me a friend request. I will gladly accept it. And what I hope to do is to give each of you my contact information, a phone number, and over the next few weeks, I would at least like to talk and say hello. I want to try to get to know you and have you get to know me outside of when I'm wearing a suit and tie standing up here behind a microphone. So I'd like to try to do that. If we were all in the building, it'd be a whole lot easier, but uh, that's not the way it is for now. So thank you, thank each of you for uh, the opportunity to serve. Uh, that, that is what I uh, would like to do. So thank you, thank you, I'm very, very uh, honored. This morning, we're going to be trying something that Evan says he's never done before, and, and neither have I. We're going to have a song and scripture service, as we would do on the fifth Sunday of, of a month that has five Sundays. And that means we're going to be having the songs up on the screen. And when we get to the end of the two uh, rows of the song, I've got to do some clicking in order to advance to the next row. Obviously, I will do that perfectly this morning. And there won't be any issues at all where I'm either ahead of the song or behind. So bear with us as we attempt to do that. The way we will do this is for each song, I will be saying a few remarks about the song. You'll be able to tell what the song is by the title that will be up on the slide. And then Evan will lead us in the song and we will then go for some comments on the next song. So that's the goal. Let's see how we can do it. The first song that Evan's going to lead to us, uh, lead for us here in just a minute is titled Faith is the Victory. Faith is the Victory. So when I'm thinking of faith in the, is the victory, the, I think the, the thought that was in the writer of the song's uh, heart and mind when he wrote it surely, surely came from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, which reads, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So as the song title says, faith is the victory. But notice what John says here in chapter 5. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It's certainly very true that the moment someone puts their life in God's hands, the moment someone quits living for themselves and begins living for God, that is a moment of victory because each of us, when we make that decision, essentially emerges victorious because we leave behind our life of sin and begin living as a child of God. That's only the first step. That's an important initial victory. But every step in our life of living for God continues to be a victory. And since we walk by faith, each step that we take is demonstrating our faith in a victorious life of living for God, as opposed to living in sin or living for ourselves. And that victory is the, uh, the victory, the faith that we have is our victory that overcomes the world, the world being 
the sinful world that we have left behind. And I think of Romans 5, 6 in terms of what enabled that victory to occur, what enables us to live our lives in a victorious manner this way. Paul wrote back in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, while we were helpless, unable through anything we could do on our own accord to find a victory over sin, Jesus came and died for us while we were sinners. God loved the world so much, and the world that he loved was a sinful world. It still is. That he sent his son so that no one should perish. The ones that believe in Jesus are going to obtain that victory over the world. I am so glad that while I was helpless in the, the throes of sin, under the captivity of sin, with my mind focused on living for myself, God had sent his son into the world so that I would not have to die, but that I would have the opportunity to live. So the only victory we can have is really to participate, if you will, in the victory Jesus has accomplished over the world. And by becoming a child of God, we take that step out of the sinful world over into the world of living for God. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 55, Paul says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Well, the victory that we have is the victory over death because when we die, and each one of us will die, instead of it being the end, instead of there being no hope once our eyes close for the last moment, Jesus has secured the victory because it will not be the end for each of us. And so instead of death having a victory and death having a sting and the sting in the eyes of people left behind thinking there will never be a time when we meet again, Jesus has secured the victory that our faith allows us to share it. A few verses later, I think this is such an important statement for those of us who are members of God's family. Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory the victory that our faith participates in, the victory that allows us to overcome the world is a gift from God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing this first song, Faith is the Victory. It's all new. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe and fails below, let all our strength be heard. Faith is a victory we know that overcomes the world. Faith is a victory. Faith is a victory. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like the whirlwind's breath swept on over every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still the shining shield. Faith is a victory, faith is a victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. On every hand the foe we find, drying up in dread array. Let tens of beasts be left behind, and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head, with hope all gathered above. The earth shall tremble neath our tread, and echo with our shout. Faith is the victory, faith. Faith is the 
It is well with my soul. In Psalm 46, some of the verses out of verses 1 through 7 that we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. No matter what happens in the world, whether tornado, which Nashville experienced 10 months ago now, whether it's floods, whether it's terrible, terrible things going on, natural disasters, God is our refuge and strength. And he's a very present help, not a remote help, a very present help in time of trouble. I think we need to remember that. You know, too often we turn to God really only after something bad has happened. If we view God as a present help in time of trouble, we will be viewing him as a present help because he's present all the time. Over in Philippians 4, 10 and 11, we often remember verse 13, I can do anything through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. But a couple of verses before that, in verses 10 and 11, we read, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Speaking to the Corinthians. He says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They had been sending monetary help. They had been very active in supporting Paul. Paul is writing this uh, while he is in uh, prison. Uh, they are very able now to help. But look at this last statement. Not that I am speaking of being in need, but I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul had had need and the, the Philippians had finally been able to track down where he was so that they could send some monetary help to him in addition to prayers. And Paul's like, you know, I'm really not worried about having been in need. Thank you for your help, but I'm really not concerned about that because look what he says. I have learned in whatever circumstances I am in, therein to be content. Well, Paul had been in a whole lot of circumstances. He said he had been floating out in the open ocean for quite a while, apparently in shipwreck. He had been stoned and drug out of the city and left for dead. In Philippi itself, he had been beaten in the marketplace, which involved pulling the clothing down and then beating them with giant rods across their bare rear ends. And on those sore rear ends, which often were left torn and bleeding, he then was sitting in the prison in the stocks. His feet were in the stocks, sitting on what he had just been beaten. And what do we read about happening in first, I mean, in the book of Acts? We read of Paul and Silas singing in the prison. Whatever circumstances Paul was in, he had somehow figured out how to be content, how to find a way to be happy in whatever circumstances he's in. And you know, what do we do sometimes? Kroger was out of cherry jam. They didn't have any distilled water that I needed for the humidifier. What is this life coming to? We get so upset over so many tiny, tiny things. We could learn from Paul. Whatever circumstances we are in, we can find a way to be content. Because look, God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. The title of the song says, It is well with my soul. 
I want to look for just a moment at the history of the individual that wrote this song. You may have seen this before. His name was Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford. You don't meet many people named Horatio anymore. But this is a picture of Horatio Spafford. He wrote this song we're going to sing next. He knew something about unexpected challenges and pain in his life. Some of you may know part of his story already. He was a very successful attorney and a real estate investor who lost a fortune in that great Chicago fire in 1871. We used to sing about the fire at scout camp, right? But I didn't realize at the time that this individual who wrote this song had lost tons and tons of money and everything burned like it did in Chicago. About that same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. So lost money, lost a son. That might in itself be enough to destroy many people. He didn't stop there for Horatio Spafford. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he, and it spent, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England from New York going over to England planning to join them after he finished some pressing business. So his wife and four daughters got on the ship. He stayed behind, intending to meet up with them a little later. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio's precious little girls, his precious daughters. His wife was the only one who survived. When she got to England, she sent a short telegram back to her husband. Her telegram said, saved alone, what shall I do? So he's lost five children at this point. He's lost all or most of the money that he had. His wife is all that's left. He immediately set sail for England at some point during the voyage, the captain of the ship Horatio got on, called him up to the bridge and said, I wanted you to know we are about at the location where that shipwreck occurred, where that collision occurred. We are passing over the point where your daughters lie on the bottom of the deep. After staring out of the window for a few minutes, Horatio went back to his room and wrote this song. He wrote this song. He later said, I am glad to be able to trust in my Lord when it costs me something. So many of us may feel like we can trust in God when everything's going great, when everything's going the way we want it to go. The real test of character is, do I trust in God? Do I hold on to my faith in God when things aren't going so well? Paul had said, even in prison, I've learned in whatever circumstances I am in, therein to be content. I hope, I hope and pray we can develop the same sort of quality that Paul had and that Horatio had as he wrote in this song. Let's sing this next song, It Is Well With My Soul. I want you to think of the trouble that Horatio Spafford went through and then wrote this song. When peace like a
that was made on the cross for our sins, my sins, your sins, someone who was sinless, someone who was blameless, who paid the price for us. Let's pray. Holy Father, we ask a blessing on this bread representing the body of your Son and our Savior who died on the cross for our sins. If we partake, that we keep that in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Father, we ask a blessing on this cup representing the blood that was shed on the cross that washed away our sins as we partake and keep that in our hearts also. It's in Christ's name we pray. Included the Lord's Supper, we'll turn to the giving portion of our service. We don't pass the basket. Uh, we have a, a contribution box in the back if you'd like to give something as you leave. So let's have a blessing for that. Holy Father, bless us each week with great gifts as we give back a portion of those blessings. And we do so cheerfully, knowing it will be used in your kingdom. So in Christ's name. The next song we'll be singing is titled, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And when you think of people out in the world, people in our neighborhoods, people in the country, I want to ask a question, what do you think their hope is built on? When they're looking at the future, what do they have their hope placed in? Where's their confidence? Where do they put their security? I think some people put their security in money. How much money you may have in a 401k or a retirement plan or a bank account. Some people have their security in their spouse. Neither of those, and I think those are probably very prevalent, neither of those are very good places to put your security. Money can disappear in a flash. It really can. That's not good. Sometimes people betray you. Sometimes people being human make very terrible decisions and that security you thought you had in the person isn't there. Perhaps that person dies unexpectedly. 
It's not a good thing to do, to put security into money, into people, into a job. Used to be you get a job and you might work there 40 years. These days you might work there three weeks. You'd be given a little slip that happens to be pink. What should hope be placed on? What should confidence be placed in? I think this song says it really well. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I want to look at Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. I'm almost not going to be able to read this without breaking into the little children's song that goes along with it. But here Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. Great was the fall of it. You know, we all hope that our houses, you know, the buildings we may live in are founded upon something firm. That's why it's called a foundation that you lay before any building goes. Sometimes builders don't do a good job of that. Sometimes they build on something that's not very secure. All we have to do is remember the floods from, what was it now, 10 years ago? 10 years ago where floods just rampaged through neighborhoods. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. It's not so much that building on a rock is where you need to find your security. It depends on the rock. It depends on the rock. And what Jesus has said here is that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, if you build your foundation upon the words of Jesus and you build your foundation on doing the words of Jesus, which are, I, I hate to keep coming back to it, but it's summarized so easily in the two small little phrases. Jesus's message to all of us really truly is to love God and love our neighbor. Don't have to remember a thousand different commandments because if I'm doing something, it needs to either be showing my love for God or my love for other people. That's the rock that our lives need to be built on that will be a foundation that will survive rain and wind and floods and storm. It's on nothing other than building it upon Jesus himself. However, if you build it on these other things, there is no Security. There is no foundation that will stand the test of trouble. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul told the Corinthians, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Having that faith in God means understanding that God loved the world so much that He sent His Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish that might have everlasting life. And the reason we can have everlasting life is that Jesus died paying the price for every wrong thing that I or you have ever done. And that offer of grace is extended to anyone who understands what Jesus did and decides to change their life to live for God. One other passage here, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 through 21. By that death of Jesus, Peter says here, you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Our fathers before us, our mothers before us, everybody who has ever lived has lived for themselves at some point. And that way leads to destruction. But we have been saved from that life of futility because Jesus entered the world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus' life is the reason we do not have to die. And we have been saved, we have been ransomed from those futile ways of living, not with perishable things, not ransomed, not saved with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you through him, are, who are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that our faith and hope are in God.
our hope. We, we're going to sing in a minute, my hope. It is our hope. And it's based on nothing less than Jesus' blood that he shed for us and his righteousness. It'll never be on my righteousness or your righteousness, my power to do good or your power to do good. It'll only ever be based upon the work Jesus did to save each and every one of us from our sins. My hope, our hope is all built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's sing this next song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other His hope is covenant, his blood support me in the coming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and say. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, for they have in him be found, resting his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock of stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. This next song is titled, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. Our faith, as I said a moment ago, cannot be in things, cannot be in people. The only proper foundation for our faith is upon God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so think and look here with me for a moment at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. After chapter 11, where Paul has gone back through the history of so many heroes of faith who had their faith in God and then did what they needed to do, uh, the writer of Hebrews here says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these past heroes who put their faith in God and got out there and did what they needed to do, all this great cloud of witnesses, he then says to us, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice a couple of things right there. Let us run this race, he then says in the middle of it there, with endurance. It's not an easy race. An easy race to me might be a five-yard dash. You know, we get this 50-yard, 100-yard dash, 5K marathon, an easy race would be a short one. It's not a short race. It's a race you have to run with endurance. It's a race that takes some time to run. It takes our lives to run this race. Notice as well that Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, looking forward to the joy that was to come, endured the cross. And we often talk about the pain of the cross, the pain of the scourging, the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. But then look at the next phrase. That's something we don't focus on quite as much in our culture. Enduring the shame. We live in a culture that has no shame. Celebrates things that should be shameful. 
We don't have any shame in our culture. In the first century, shame was worse in many ways than pain. The way conquerors and kings, when they had conquered a city, really wanted to demoralize them wasn't to torture people out in front of the city after they won. It was to shame them all, most of the time by making them march without any clothing in front of the armies. Shame was worse than dying to many of them. Jesus endured the shame of being on the cross, being made fun of, being spat upon during the scourging. He endured all the shame and the pain of the cross for the joy that was set before him. As we run our race, we need to run it with endurance for the joy that is set before us. I have another translation of the part here in the middle. This is from the Good News translation because we don't usually say founder and perfecter of our faith. That language is kind of strange. Some, some translations will say the author of our faith. I love this little statement here. It says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. And that is so very, very true. Our faith founded on Jesus is the beginning of our faith. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, our faith looking up to Jesus, it will be there from beginning to end. Our faith is upon Jesus, what he did, his righteousness. That's the only hope any of us have as we run this race with endurance. If you look again at Isaiah 40, 45, verse 22, this is God speaking here. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. There is no other. If you want to be saved, if you want to live your life so that you can have peace, so that you can be someone who looks forward to the joy set before us, you've got to come to God. If you're already a member of God's family, you need to turn your life around if it's not headed in the right direction and come back to God asking perhaps for prayer of your family here at Lindsley Avenue to put your life back on track. This race is one we have to run with endurance. It's not a five yard dash. It's a long race. Enduring the pain, the suffering and the shame perhaps for the joy that is set before us. Are your eyes on Jesus today? If they're not on Jesus today, they need to be. I want you to consider that as we sing this invitation song, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. If there's any way that we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.